Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Shoe Bowl Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Plenty of South Florida sports news going on right now as we are taping this on May 6th. It is 6.30 p.m. Eastern, which means uh, for the host of this particular podcast, Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, uh, CSA podcast host for SB Nation, the Lightning are about to play. But for you South Floridians, I will, uh, you know, throw you guys a bone. I know uh, in the midst of heat playoffs, the Panthers are coming off a win. Uh, it's it's a it's a certainly an exciting time down there for South Florida sports. But we cannot forget about the reason you listen to this podcast, the college teams of South Florida, at least the, uh, the public universities. Won't mention that private university over in Coral Gables. And we're starting up north in Boca Raton. So that means we've got my good buddy Zach Weinberger on for his second appearance. Zach, how's it going tonight, man? Going great. You know, semester's ending. Finals week is over with. I'm free and ready to talk about FAU football. Let's do it. You know, but before we jump into FAU football, man, I, I got to start right there. Um, mm-hmm. It has been a while, I and mean, I graduated in 2015. It feels like a, a, a lot. Some days it feels longer. Some days it feels like yesterday. But r- r- bring us in, Zach, for those of us who it's been a while, man. What's that feeling like you get through the end of another semester? Uh, you get to kind of like take some time off for a little bit. Well, you know, it's it's sort of a relief, you know, and I, I, I got to be honest. I, I did not think I was going to talk about school <laughs> with you, Eric, but <laughs> – um no but it, it's great you know it's like it kind of brings me back to high school and even middle school when it's summer break you know but if we just have we have semesters this time around college and uh it's great especially when you know in the summer i'm graduating and i can i cannot even imagine the feeling when that happens so uh it, it, you know taking time to just rest decompress uh it, it's it definitely needed but obviously listen news doesn't sleep when it comes to football and especially with the fall coming up uh things are starting to ramp up so i'm, I'm excited Zach, here's the thing, man. You will learn this. Uh, We are in the midst of summer, right? Like spring is Mm -hmm. over. We're in the dog days. We're going to start filling time with a lot of stuff that's not related to football, right? So uh, trust me, you will, uh, as you make your appearances on this podcast between now and say August, uh, we'll have plenty of uh, offshoot questions. I'll hit you with one more school question. We'll get you back to football. Mm -hmm. As as you noted there that you are, in fact, an FAU owl. Just out of curiosity, man, um, what attracted you? What brought you to FAU? What was a... the pull there. And, and, and I will put you on the spot. Was FAU your first choice? Did you apply to any other schools or are you, you were uh, diehard, proud FAU through and through? Listen, uh, I, I will not be honest. I mean, excuse me, I will be honest. <laughs> I'll definitely be honest. Uh, I really, FAU was never on my radar uh, when I was in maybe sort of junior and senior year of high school. It's more so when I sort of brought in my options past the three big schools, UM, FSU, and UF. Uh, and then I, I always knew about FIU. I never really heard about FAU. Uh, I, I saw sort of the things that they can offer. Boca Raton is obviously, it seemed like the school was really on the rise there, and I wanted to be part of that experience. Um, and again, obviously the aid helps, the scholarship helps as well. But really, you know, I, I think it's a decision that, to me, I will never regret. Uh, the, the years I've had here, whether it be being, you know, editor-in-chief of my school newspaper, just learning a bunch of experience in the realm of journalism and sports journalism there. Um, it's been great. So obviously it was never my first choice, but, uh, you know, sometimes it works like that. And, it, and I, I wouldn't regret it for a thing. No, Zach, again, with this being the Homer podcast, you know, and, and you're talking to someone, of course, is not uh, part of either the FAU or FIU family when I'm on and, and you know, running – 
running point here, we try to make a point to, um, you know, get to know our guests who are affiliated with each school on a deeper level. So that's why I lead with those two questions. But without further ado, let's jump into some football. That's why everyone's here. Of course, the spring just finished up for FAU. Zach, what were some of your big observations, some of your big takeaways as far as the spring, what you noticed? Yes, you know, again, just kind of talking a little bit about the spring game uh, and just kind of what we what we sort of experienced throughout the spring. Um, th- again, to me, what I wanted to see was how the new coaching staff would be. You know, we we are we're heading into year three of Willie Taggart, but really the staff around him is so different when it comes to past the the new coordinators and Todd Orlando and Brent Deerman, the new position coaches. I wanted to see how the players would respond. And it seems like compared to the past couple of years, and again, COVID has to do with the sort of the, maybe the morale of the team, even though every college football team had to deal with it. Um, it seems like a much different team out there. Again, just basing it off of spring, you know. Um, but when it comes to the spring game, you know, I, I put this in uh, my article for the Palm Beach Post when the spring game happened. But, you know, we saw those similarities that we saw in the past season. You know, the defense was making big plays, the offense sort of stolen uh we're seeing you know these these plays where they're shooting themselves in the foot and passes and stuff like that but that's something you want to see in the spring game and not in the well since the spring game that's gonna that's kind of what's gonna be the season like i don't think that's what it is at all um but you know again you do see improvements on both sides of the ball here especially when you got a lot of guys just this past draft you get five guys signing some undrafted free agents um, that produce on a high level for both sides of the ball, and you're missing that. You're trying to find that production. Uh, and obviously, Willie Taggart and the rest of the coaching staff are pretty much in the realm right now of sort of finding those guys that will fill that in, the next man of mentality. Um, that's what we're kind of seeing in the spring. We're seeing a lot of guys show up and show out. Uh, and once the fall comes around, it seems like we're going to see these guys in a, in a very much a big way. Zach, I want to piggyback off something you said there. I'm really glad you mentioned the coaching additions because that was going to be my next question. You talked about it. Start with Todd Orlando on the defensive side. Of course, Brent Dearman, the former Middle Tennessee State offensive coordinator on, on the offensive side. And um, Chad Lunsford, former Georgia Southern head coach. Of course, uh, if memory serves me correct, Chad Lunsford was actually the head coach when Georgia Southern defeated uh, FAU a few years back. So it's only a veteran head coach there. It, it, in terms of, and it's not to say that Willie Taggart hasn't had solid staffs in the past, no matter where he's gone, but it, it, does this feel, especially when you, you know, that kind of veteran leadership, again, Todd Orlando was at USC in Texas. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Brent Dearman having been at another CUSA foe in middle Tennessee. And of course, Lunzer with the head coaching experience as a position coach. Does that seem to be making a difference? Uh, just, you know, your read on things. Well, you know, I, I think it's very, uh, to me, it's it's sort of clear that this is easily the most impressive staff that Willie Taggart has assembled here in Florida Atlantic in his three years. Uh, obviously, no offense to the other guys, but, you know, the, like you said, that veteran experience that they are bringing here, you know, he re- it seems like Taggart really wants to f- crack the code of how to win in Conference USA by the end of the fall, by the end of the, the upcoming football season. So you're getting guys like Brent Dearman, who, you know, at Middle Tennessee, they did make some strides here, and now you're getting more of a talented offense here with FAU, in my opinion. Uh, you get Todd Orlando that pretty much is acting like he's been at FAU for 10 years. The way that I see him up and close and personal, uh, coaching the linebackers, coaching the defense as a whole. You get Billy Gonzalez with the wide receivers, who's been having a lot of success, a position group for FAU that needs to be improved. Uh, for this upcoming season. Um, but to me, I, again, there, I do like the veteran leadership and I do like the chances 
of these young coaches. And Brent Dearman's one of those guys. You know, he might act like he's been in, you know, coaching for for twenty plus years, especially more than that. But you know, he, he's one of the, to me, one of the more uh, young, um, maybe more uh, high ceiling guys when it comes to coaching. So to me, again, easily uh, the most impressive staff I've seen. We're just hoping that it translates uh, to the field in twenty twenty in twenty twenty two. And you know, obviously we want that because again, we, we talked about this last time how you know, this season I would think is a make or break year for Willie Taggart. You know, you want to make a bowl game at least. That's kind of like the bare minimum you want from this season. They couldn't do that last season. Um, that's sort of the goal. Um, the goal is obviously to win, but you know, you want to see this team make some sort of improvements from the first year Willie Taggart has been here. And it seems like from the spring, we, we are possibly heading in that direction. Uh, I definitely been the, the most confident for this season compared to the past. Again, Zach, you know, it's a really great transition point to give me my next question here. I, I don't want to get too far ahead again. Like I mentioned, it's summer. There's still plenty of time between now and then, you know, Players could be added. Players could be subtracted. You never know the name of the game. However, and again, I'm not asking you for a, a prediction on what FAU is going to do, but something has changed since the last time we talked, and that's the removal of Marshall from this conference in addition to Old Dominion and Southern Miss. But I mentioned Marshall in specificity because there's no two ways about it. You know, the Thundering Herd have been a thorn in the owl side for the past few years. Mm-hmm. Thundering Herd one of the or were one of the top teams in Conference USA, especially the East, uh, over their entire tenure. So, especially given the loss of Marshall, and to be fair, an Old Dominion team that did uh, beat FAU last year and certainly appears to be on the rise, does that even play a, a bigger role into maybe the expectation around Boca that hey, all right, we got rid of two teams that might have been a challenge and we would have been on our on our schedule? What's stopping us now? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there is. Um, I, I don't want to sort of maybe predict what they might say to that. If I were to ask Willie Tagger that same exact question, I can already tell what he and every coach would say was that, you know, we're going to have the same expectations for us, you know, is that we want to win. We want to win the division. We want to win the conference. Um, but for me, I think there is, you know, um, obviously, you know, I personally, I think for fans, they're going to miss those FAU Marshall games always controversy in those games. I remember when Lane Kiffin tweeted out that picture of the blind referees. That seemed like so long ago, but you know, it is what it is. But um, I I think there's going to be added expectations. I feel like for the fans as well, well, they might get the sort of the impression that like, okay, so we might have a better chance of winning. Um, Even though I still think that there are some teams here in conference USA that uh, obviously not to undermine here. You know, I I don't want to say that FAU is uh, the best team in conference USA. I don't see that. Um, but again, I, to answer your question, it would be definitely, yes. I think that within the program, there's definitely some people that think, you know, we might have a better chance of winning. Um, but again, you have to prove that on the football field, you know, you can't get too much into the mind games, uh, and sort of going ahead of yourself in terms of the player's mindset, not just us, you know, we could talk about that, but, um, obviously they're going to go at the one game at a time mentality. And it seems like that's going to, how it's going to be, especially for this upcoming season. I asked you about this player in this position last time. Going to start with it again here because, of course, everything starts with the quarterback. Nikosi Perry, now that we're through the spring, how does everything look? I've had had some people around the program tell me that he he appears to be, and, you know, this might be cliche, but take for what it is, seemingly more in charge in his second year here at FAU and really taking command of this offense. Considering the fact it's 
So, you know, first year offense with Brent Dearman. So just from, from your POV, what'd you see with uh, Nikosi through the spring? Uh, you, you're seeing a lot of improvement, you know, and again, it, I'll, I'll sort of talk about what I saw from last season compared to this season was that there was a major difference from this spring camp and the last year's spring camp. The difference was he wasn't there last spring camp. I, to me, I feel like that him being here for the spring, having a, having a year under his belt has been so beneficial, just not only for his play, but obviously for the relationship with this team, I feel like you, you can't be a quarterback and not have a good rep- repertoire with your receivers, with your running backs, with your offensive line, with the offense as a whole. Um, so me, it's proven to be absolutely helpful and beneficial for him. Uh, and you're, and again, when it comes to Willie Tagger, when it comes to Brent Dearman, they talk time and time again on how Perry has acted more like a leader compared to last season. Uh, again, not knowing the guys as well, you're coming in late, you're getting the starting job, even though you missed the spring. Um, again, we, we see the faith that these guys have for Perry. We see it on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or you know, wherever else. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we're going to see a huge stride from Perry because he, even he admits it from last season, from what I saw, very inconsistent play. You know, he might tear it up against Georgia Southern, against Fordham, against FIU uh, and Charlotte, but we didn't see that in the rest of the games. Uh, and obviously, I'm not going to totally fault on him. Obviously, the offense as a whole didn't play to, up to his standards. Uh, but still, we did see some performance where he did get rattled. Uh, and that's something that he thinks that he's cleaned up this year uh, in a lot of different aspects. So we should definitely see um, uh, an improved season. I, again, I remember when me and other uh, media members of FAU and Conference USA were possibly thinking that Perry could possibly be one of the better FAU quarterbacks in program's history. Uh, it, by, and by talent-wise, I definitely see it, but you know he has to prove it. And in camp... We, we're definitely seeing that. So um, obviously there's no quarterback battle, even though Taggart likes to say that every position is up for grabs. Uh, Perry's going to be under center. Uh, that's obviously, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and we should be seeing some improvement. Before I run down a list of some names I want to ask you about in specificity, do want to take you to a spot of the ball, spot of the game that typically gets overlooked. And that's special teams. You know, you have the departure of, yeah, uh, man, I'm having a brain fire. Come on, the punter for who's that Vanderbilt? Um, Matt Hayball. Thank you. I, I've, it's too many, too many punters to remember in Conference USA. Zach, <laughs> departure of him, you know, certainly a very talented punter heading to to Vandy. Uh, listen, can you bring me on on the special teams units? I mean, I can say the same thing over at FIU when you lose uh, two players and you're already inconsistent there. Now, this, that wasn't FAU's, FAU's uh, issue last year, but uh, you know the the kicking game gets overlooked so kind of bring us in up to speed there as far as special teams in the kicking game what that's going to look like in uh 22 yeah you know I, again I, I think um just how i think the quarterback position needs to added uh, needs to be added I, I definitely think special teams needs to be added as well obviously you got logan lupo on the roster and you have other people there um but again you know i i, I think that that's something that that needs to be added uh it seems like morgan suarez has the job at the moment for kicker uh, when it comes to FAU, um, and again, especially seeing former FAU kicker, current Minnesota Vikings kicker Greg Joseph, uh, multiple times throughout camp, actually kind of giving advice to Suarez, uh, seeing him train, that was pretty cool to watch. But I, I don't think that, especially for that position group, uh, you need more depth there. You know, it seemed like when it came to last season, um, you had Aaron Sherriari, you had, you had other guys there that were um, at least in competition. Uh, we're not seeing that competition this time around, you know, especially just kind of just examining the roster. Um, but again, you know, we, we should be, that was one of the units 
that have, that caused Taggart to be very concerned last year. Um, I remember a couple games where just scores that were given to punt block returns and kick block returns um, was very frustrating to the team. Uh, when, when the offense was stalling, the defense was giving up big plays, and you had the special teams sort of giving up those kind of plays as well. It, it was not good. Um, so to, to me, losing Matt Hayball, um, who in my opinion was, you know, at one point I remember during the season was uh, number one in the country. I forgot, I forgot for which category, but again, he was one of the top punters in the league, uh, you know, in, in the country, excuse me. So um, again, a lot of production that needs to be filled there. Hopefully Lupo and Suarez could fill that. Um, but he, again, we just, we'll have to see. Of course, going to run down a couple names here and definitely want to start on the defensive side of the ball here. A guy who has I, I, I kind of tantalized FAE fans, maybe Conference USA uh, observers as a whole coming off the edge. And that's Jalen Joyner. We know the uh, 2020 he had, I believe he had the game where he had three, uh, three or three and a half sacks, ended up with 40 tackles, five and a half sacks. Last year, a little bit of a different production, but of course, you know, that, that happens when you get a little more notoriety. Uh, what can we expect from Jalen Joyner this year? Well, you know, I, I feel like when it comes to Jalen Joyner, he, he's sort of uh, one of the veterans on that defensive line unit that I think is going to be one of the better units coming into 2022, especially just looking at uh, Evan Anderson, who I think is going to be a beast this year to carry his Hawthorne. You're seeing that relationship with Jalen Joyner. Uh, and again, t- tore it up at the spring game, had a couple sacks, a couple tackles as well. Um, but to me, you know, Joyner is going to be relied on. Um, as sort of that veteran leadership there, you know, just being the red shirt junior, he is Kevin Patrick, defensive line coach talks so highly of him. Um, I, I expect more of the same, if not a little bit better from Joyner, but again, I, I don't think that one person, um, especially Joyner is going to stand out on the defensive line. I already named a couple names. Uh, we're going to see so much production from that unit that that's my biggest prediction and not, not even a hot take. I just think that's almost. Uh, locked in. I'd be very surprised if we don't see those three guys I mentioned uh, just have big seasons. You know, again, the defensive line, um, Jalen Joyner is going to be the spearhead, though. If he's not doing well, uh, the rest of the rest of the guys will possibly reciprocate that feeling. So he's going to be relied upon to sort of get the guys going. Uh, again, again, another guy that's been mentioned as being uh, better of a leader uh, to these guys. So um, when it comes to him, it just we're going to see sort of the domino effect with him. You know, the energy is up with him. The rest of the energy of the defense is also up. Going to take it to the linebackers, kind of a linebacker slash edge rusher from Coconut Creek High School. Someone who's been very impressive in my eyes. Uh, always kind of expecting when you look at his size at 6'4", 245, certainly has all the requisite tools to be one of the better pass rushers. And that's Chris Jones. What can we expect from him? Uh, you know, a guy that's been uh, tearing it up on camp as well. Um, and especially when talking to uh, Coach Orlando about him specifically, um, making improvements every single day. Uh, again, this is a very young team, and obviously Chris Jones be, being a sophomore, you know, he's going to be relied upon filling that gap, especially when it comes to uh, playing more minutes than what he did last last season. Uh, but again, you know, again, he's just one of the few guys in that linebacker core that needs to fill in that production that's been lost now. I feel like with the linebacker position amongst just a couple other positions that is like up for the taking at this point, uh, especially when you lose guys like Khalif Bryce, uh, Kiki Leroy, uh, just by graduating and just kind of going to the NFL. Uh, it's, up for the, it's up for the taking. And I think Chris Jones is going to fill in that slot very nicely. Uh, just watching him in spring, he, he's very explosive. 
Uh, so I, I definitely expect big things out of them. Final one for you here, Zach, before we let you go. And again, appreciate you making the time. Zach Weinberger of the Palm Beach Post here joining us, talking to all things FAU football. As we project into uh, fall, almost said spring, I was projecting into fall. What is one position group that you are keeping your eye on that you want to see your, you know, FAU fans should be a little bit, I don't want to say concerned, but, you know, just something to keep an eye on as, as a fall camp opens in, in a few months. And what's one position group that you fully expect to be hitting the ground running and say, like, that's going to be a group that's going to spearhead this, uh, this team. Yeah. So let me just start off what I said before, especially for, for the, for the position group that I have the utmost confidence in is definitely the defensive line. Uh, and again, um, just naming off the names I did before, uh, especially about how young these guys are. But again, uh, when you look at Dylan Joyner, Evan Anderson, who again is only a sophomore, and when hearing from Willie Taggart that he's lost 30 pounds, so now he's faster and stronger, I think basically opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive lines should be concerned. Uh, to Carries Hawthorne, who's been tearing it up in the spring, tore it up in the spring game. Another guy you should keep your eyes on. Uh, and just even the guys below him that are going to get those minutes um, when, it, when it comes to Latrell Jean and Jaden Wheeler and Trey Jackson. I mean, the depth is also what makes that up. It's not just the stars, it's the depth beneath them. Now, when it comes to the position group that I'm very concerned about, uh, it has to be wide receiver. Um, this was a problem last season. A very underwhelming performance from, from the whole. Uh, not one guy really stepped up. Maybe LeJounte Wester was sort of the one guy you might have relied upon for a lot of receptions, uh, not a lot of yards. Uh, but again, you know, he, again, he has the ability to step it up now, uh, you know, in 2022. But Javion Posey was a guy that actually, um, that was a former quarterback, obviously, for the Owls, um, and now is switched over to wide receiver full time. And apparently, according to Coach Jeremy and Coach Taggart, he's been making a lot of plays. Uh, and that's the one thing is that you're, that FAU really doesn't have a number one receiver. It maybe you can count Wester as that, but you need that big body guy to rely upon for those contested catches. We haven't seen that from Wester yet. So we're looking for that number one guy. And to me, the, the names that have been mentioned to me, Tony Johnson, Kobe Stewart, uh, Jamal Edrin is one that I think can pop off this year. That's the guy that I've seen a lot in spring camp and just his dimensions that can be that guy for the Owls. Um, but there's a lot of depth here and hopefully we can see these guys pop off. A BJ Alexander is another one. So I'm worried because it sometimes it costs the Owls games, especially in that game against Marshall where we had so many drop passes that could have led to big drives and touchdowns and it just didn't happen. So we need to see that in 2022. So uh, I'm very worried about the wide receiver group, but there is guys there that can play and hopefully can have that spotlight that can show off this season so that they can prove to be that number one guy. You heard from himself. That is Zach Weinberger of the Palm beach post, giving us all things FAU Zach really appreciate you making the time. And as I said, you will not be a stranger on the podcast. Looking forward to have you on in a few months. Yeah, enjoy summer, take some time, relax. And uh, you know, we'll get geared up for fall here in a, in a few months. Appreciate it, Zach. Thank you so much, Eric. Welcome back. You may have just previously heard on the first part of this podcast, we had Zach Weinberger from the Palm Beach Post, who's covering all things FAU football. Appreciate Zach for making the time. Want to welcome the next guest on the podcast. 
He is uh, affectionately known by those out there as Walt Money. Uh, he is my uh, upstairs neighbor at the FIU press box at FIU Stadium. You may know him as the FIU beat writer for the Miami Herald, Mr. Walter Villa. Walt, how's it going tonight, my man? Hey, everything's good, man. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Appreciate it. As you uh, listeners know, we are in the midst of our spring recap. The last episode you heard was our spring preview. And please stay tuned because following Walter's portion of this podcast, we'll be joined by former FIU and NFL safety Jonathan Cyprian to talk about some of the things he is doing with FIU. But with Walter, we will be talking all things FIU. Of course, you guys are used to hearing my perspective and maybe other people's around the, around, other, the other people's perspective around the program. Excuse me. So figured, why not bring on another perspective? Get another voice. You know, cannot hurt to get another point of view on the Panthers. So, Walt, want to start right there. We are coming off. I think we're what a couple weeks off of the spring game. Just get your overall thoughts. You know, on what you saw from the team during the spring. Maybe things that caught your eye, uh, whether you know, good, bad, and different or otherwise. Just overall thoughts on the spring. First of all, no false modesty here. Your perspective is the more informed one. You put a lot of time into this, got a lot of respect for what you do. Uh, I'm all over the place covering 20 different things. Um, but so my perspective, um, boy, it's, it, with a new coach and a new administration, it's really tough to tell. Um, the roster is going to be completely reshaped. So you, you might think off of that, you know, they had such a terrible season, what, 1-11, and 11, and the one win was, uh, you know, against, uh, what was it, Bryant or something? I mean... It's still an FCS team. It's So same thing, Long Island. <laughs> Long Island, okay. And they've lost, what is it, 17 in a row? Um, to, you got it. You know, so so it's it's been brutal. Um, and you might, might think, well, it's going to continue to be bad. The only thing I would say is the that maybe gives... FIU fans, they should, they deserve some, some room for optimism is because the league has been gutted. And I, and I suspect that conference USA will be a lot easier to navigate this year. So for that reason, and because I do think coach McIntyre is a very good coach. I thought Butch Davis is a good coach too now, but um, coach Mac is coming in, bringing a lot of enthusiasm um, you really got to like what he's done so far that maybe they have a chance to really surprise people just based on that, just because everything is, you know, be, because the league is going to be weakened uh, tremendously with the departures. Well, I want to piggyback off of something you said there. And I know, you know, you both, you and I have done Larry Bluestein show and, you know, we've done other uh, appearances I know this sounds cliche and it might not be the answer that fans want to hear. Of course, fans, as you talked about, you know, the only win being over an FCS team last year and having lost 17 straight to FBS teams, they want a quick turnaround. They want a bowl game immediately and want to pick up where they left off in 2019. Obviously that, you know, might not be that quick of a turnaround, but I do want to ask you this. Did it at least feel from being around the team during the spring that just the feeling around the team, the feeling around the program, uh, that feeling of renewed energy, did that feel palpable to you? And I know that's not necessarily the thing fans want to hear, but it does feel different, right? Or is that just me? Yeah, I mean, one thing, there's certainly more openness. Um, I mean, I thought, uh, like I said, Butch Davis was great. And the guy's a legendary coach. I'm never going to speak anything ill about him. But certainly in terms of the athletic director, man, it's a big difference. Um, you rarely see Pete Garcia or have him talk to the media 
Um, Scott Carr is much more accessible. So that's one thing just as a person covering the, the program that I feel, um, the, the rest of that, it's, it's, it's hard to tell, um, what that's worth because, because again, where this program left off with this last win against, uh, FBS team was against the Miami hurricanes. Do you think, wow, they can really, uh, catapult themselves now that momentum and everything just fell apart. Now, um, you listen to Butch, um, a lot of that was because of uh, coronavirus and, and there were, you know, that, and that just threw everything off. But again, what's, what he doesn't say is other schools and other programs were dealing with coronavirus. It wasn't just FIU. Um, so it's really mystifying to me how they have completely fallen apart. So I just have to say that I don't understand how they could, be pretty, you know, the, the best success the program has ever had, uh, eight wins, eight wins, nine wins, both rising three straight bowl games, and then go to 17, 17 straight losses. That just, that doesn't compute. And, and I don't think FIU should ever, you know, with, with football being so great in South Florida and Florida in general, they, they shouldn't be bottom of the, league, of, of the of that league, like even close to the bottom. They should be always in the top portion of the league seems to me. So I can't quite figure out what happened there. McIntyre comes in with a, with a very good reputation and a reputation of turning programs around fairly quickly at San Jose state and Colorado. So I do suspect he's going to have success here. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Let's transition into a position that we know is on the minds of FIU fans. And that certainly is the quarterback position, obviously since James Morgan left graduated, I should say, in 2019, it's been Max Bordenschlager taking the majority of their reps, and now Max is off. He's just signed a free agent deal, or excuse me, I shouldn't say a free agent deal. He's got a uh, tryout, rookie camp invite, correct, with the Green Bay yeah. Packers. So, uh, well, you know, definitely a difference there. But with the departure of Max, uh, we got three guys: Gunnar Holmberg, Grayson James, Hayden Carlson. Uh, you know, Walt, what's your uh, kind of read on things as far as the quarterback position? Again, it's something that it's all going to start there for this team to really, you know, turn around and get things heading in the right direction. Yeah. Great question. And another, another deep mystery. I mean, everything about this team until we actually see them in the fall is a mystery, to be honest and start with Hayden Carlson. The reason I start there is I, you know, having covered Butch Davis for the few years he was at FIU. And even before that, having listened to his press conference, been at his press conference with the hurricanes, the NFL, et cetera. I don't, I can't, I don't remember him praising a quarterback who hadn't even played yet. Like he did with Hayden Carlson. Uh, I, I mean, the Pat Mahomes comparison, you know, um, making plays on the run, et cetera, et cetera. He was really, uh, crushing on Hayden Carlson. And then we never, we've never seen the guy play in college. So does Mike McIntyre feel the same? Well, did Butch even feel of that same because he never put him in the game. So that was really a, a real disconnect, right? Eric, I don't know how you feel about it from the praise that he offered uh, on Hayden and then never using him in the game. And then I haven't heard certainly coach Mack uh, rave about him in the same way. So I'm really curious what becomes of Hayden Carlson, not just here, but if he goes someplace else, I mean, what was, what was up with all that praise? I, I again, I, I've never seen him, praise somebody like he did with Hayden Cross. And then, then you have Gunnar Holmberg, who should be 
a shoe in for the starting job just based on the fact that he was a starter at Duke. And while Duke wasn't very good in the ACC this year, it's still ACC football. You come down to a week in Conference USA, you know, you think he should clean up. Um, but then the little bits that we've seen this spring that didn't seem to be the case, he didn't seem to distance himself from the competition, which leads us to um, Grayson, Grayson James. And he kind of looks apart, big, sturdy young man. He's, he's got some running ability, um, seemed to move the team well in the spring game. And if you don't know any of the background, if you were just watching that, that spring, you might think he's the starter. So um, it's a bit of a head scratcher. I, I guess Gunner would be, makes the most sense just on experience and Maybe from what little we saw, you keep after series. I'm not out there every day. Grayson certainly looked impressive, and he did get some reps in as a backup last year. So um, I haven't answered the question, I know, but it's because I don't think anybody knows the answer. I don't know if Coach Mack knows the answer right now uh, as to who's going to win that job. Well, Walt, really quick, before I, I, I um, you know, kind of give you my two cents as far as uh, what you mentioned there with, with Hayden and uh, Gunner, uh, I believe it was offensive corner David Ghost who gave you a quote. He has to know the answer, right? Because didn't he say he, he wouldn't need more than uh, a couple weeks? <laughs> yeah, he said he wanted to pare it down to to two guys after ten or so days. And I think Coach Mack put the the brakes on that. Now, one thing that might be a play here is there's really no incentive to pare this down to two and eliminate one player because that player will just hit the transfer portal. Sure. Um, and so that might be the reason, Eric, why they don't do that. There's no, you know what I mean? If I'm, if I have that situation, there's no way that I'm going to announce, uh, uh, here's my starting quarterback until I absolutely have to, because the other guys are just going to, they're just going to transfer. So that might be a reason why, um, there's still three guys in the competition, at least on paper. And then the other, the other reason is, there could be injuries in the fall. So again, you, you get no benefit really um, uh, unless it's just so obvious, but you, you really get no benefit from naming a starter this early. Got a few more for you, Walt, and we'll get you out of here. Again, I mentioned I'd kind of, you know, lay my foundation, give him two cents as far as the quarterback position. I think you make great points. Uh, first off, starting with Butch Davis, uh, I, I would not call him effusive in, in his praise of, uh, as you mentioned, players who have not seen the field and that he certainly was with the, Patrick Mahomes mentioned even going as far as to say that had the 2020 season not been cut short, Hayden Carlson would have started, you know, a few games down the stretch. So you hit the nail on the head there. But I, I just want to throw this hypothetical out there with you with Gunner. And it's just something that came to mind, Walt, as I was watching some film on him earlier today. Uh, I had a chance to go down the YouTube rabbit hole and just watch him if it starts at Duke. Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong answer. Just curious your thoughts on this. Is it possibly a, a situation where Again, as you mentioned, no real benefit in naming a starter. But as far as Gunner maybe not looking as sharp as you would have expected from someone who played in the ACC, while, yes, it's Duke, and Duke certainly isn't an ACC powerhouse, the level of talent surrounding him at Duke, you would think, especially given um, where FIU is coming off, again, the 17 straight losses and the players who've transferred out, et cetera, probably a higher level of talent. And is it just a hypothetical, possibly – you know, Gunner's got to get adjusted to maybe playing uh, at a the Conference USA level, which is a step down from the 
ACC and B, you know, guys who may not be as, as talented, quite frankly, at, at Duke. Is that, would you say that's fair? Yeah, that, um, that is fair to say. I would, I, I would think our, our, our friend Tyrese Chambers would beg to differ. <laughs> he, 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 uh, you know, he's probably somebody that could play at Duke, I would imagine, but uh, your point is, is, is well taken. <laughs> our our good friend Tyrese Chambers uh, would absolutely disagree uh, as far as that. I think he could line up at Duke. Uh, Walt, got one more football question for you. We'll have one fun question to get you out of here. I, I think because it's interesting you mentioned in terms of just really being puzzled at what's happened with this program over the last few years. And this is the thing, or this is the one thing, whenever I get asked about FIU football that I think is, and I'm, I'm definitely curious how you feel about it, it's almost a microcosm of what the last two years have been. No one said that this team hasn't had talent. And the number one thing I point to in saying that is FIU allowed 44 sacks last year. That was second most, yeah, second most in Conference USA. Uh, only Southern Miss allowed more sacks. Yet, three offensive linemen from last year's group, primary starters in left tackle, Miles Frazier, guard Sione Finau, and uh, guard Dante Keys, two end up at Power Five schools, and another one ends up at Colorado State, which you know is, is a top tier uh, G five school. It's not that talent was lacking on this team; it just seemed like something wasn't there. But I just want to throw that out to you and get your thoughts, Walt. When you, you look back and you think, "Man, this is a team that had Devonte Price that signed with an NFL camp, Bryce Singleton yep. is, is, is in an NFL camp." Three offensive linemen who are playing at higher levels, including two at you know power five. Is, is that just bewildering to think about? It, it is, and of course we've listened to um, to Butch, and he would say it was the injuries, it was uh, COVID, um, you know, disrupting everything. And I guess that's the the working theory. I do come back a little, push back a little bit, said other schools dealt with the same COVID and similar, maybe similar amount of injuries, maybe not as, not as severe. I mean, I know Butch Davis didn't forget how to coach. And so that's why, I mean, it it, it is, it is puzzling. And like you said, they, they did have talent. Um, uh, Josh Valentine Turner also uh, signed as a free agent, undrafted free agent, the punter uh, just wrote about him, Tommy Headley. I think he has a really good chance at making the dolphins this year. That was kind of, uh, did you happen to read that one? I, I did. I did. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pretty good quote when he's, he's 23. The, 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 uh, the established punter of the dolphins is 36 and, and Tommy says he's almost 40. And I had to laugh when he said that, dude, the guy's only 36. He's got four more years to get to 40, but, uh, uh, that's the way, uh, that's the way it goes. But no, yeah, there definitely has been talent there. I just don't know what all happened. And I don't know, if Butch is going to, I, I talked to him just the other day, whether he's going to coach again, he says he doesn't know he might end up in broadcasting. That would seem to be the thing. And then there's a question of his son. I'm sure he wants to get him on a staff and he's not on a staff right now. So um, a lot of, a lot of uh, puzzling things, but, but listen, in terms of, of FIU um, there's a new coach. There is a conference USA that should be there for the taking for them. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they turn the season around and have a winning record because again because of the league, but they do have to figure the quarterback thing out. And 
And I know they're looking for more transfers, Eric. I talked to Coach Mack the other day. That's still at play. The, the transfer portal is huge, as you know. No doubt about it. Walt, we'll get you out of here on this one last question. Of course, as I mentioned with our guests, try to have a little bit of fun, you know, get them out of the comfort zone a little bit. Uh, this won't be in your wheelhouse. I'm sure this won't be a, a challenge for you at all. Walt, if you have uh, one restaurant in the beautiful city of Miami that a visitor has come into town and you want them to get a true feel for Miami and what it has to offer food-wise, where are you taking that person and why? Wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. See, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess if I want the glitz and all that, Joe Stone Crab, that's probably you know uh, uh, the place that people line up and and it's a delicacy, but if it's a, you know, I'm Cuban American. So down home, uh, Cuban American food, uh, Cuban food, uh, I probably take them to La Carreta. You hit the nail <laughs> on the head there. I'll tell you this much, you know, everyone gets the Joe stone crab answer, but I tell anyone who comes to South Florida and you really want to feel for Miami, get off of South beach. Go, go. There's plenty of, of every culture, every Latin American Caribbean culture, you could uh, you could want you could well, your 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 desires to want to try it is there so that's why I have to run that question by you but Walt uh, my friend I appreciate you making the time and I will catch up with you soon brother that's uh, I appreciate you and uh, and by the way it looks like Joel Embiid is playing tonight with a fractured face how long would you be out if you had a fractured face <laughs> well uh, what ended my football career was pretty much a fractured face it was a concussion well there you there you go <laughs> all right brother. All right, all right, man. Well, take it easy. Appreciate it. All right. Bye now. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the previous interviews. Of course, we've uh, been listening to us from the start of this podcast. You just heard we had Zach Weinberger on from the Palm Beach Post, who is doing a great job covering all things FAU. And after that, you heard my FIU Stadium press box neighbor, the uh, veteran journalist himself, but Walt Money. Walt will get a get a kick out of me calling him a vet, but I know Walt knows it's uh, it's all in good love. Uh, Mr. Walter Villa, he is the FIU beat writer for the Miami Herald. Of course, you know my voice, Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation, Underdog Dynasty. For this next interview, we got a full house. David could not make the first two, but David Hondel, our FIU super fan, is on the line. And we are joined by our special guest that I teased at the beginning of this episode, none other than FIU's highest draft pick, Mr. Jonathan Cyprian. Hey, Sip, appreciate you making the time for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, to thank again, thank you for, for making the time. And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with uh, some of the things that SIP has going on, uh, and you may not have had a chance to check out my article that I referenced before, uh, SIP is now back in the FIU fold. He is doing some things in the NIL space, the NIL collective space. Wrote an article, a feature about what he's doing for Underdog Dynasty. Uh, is let him kind of go into more detail, elaborate a little bit, but it's called Inside the Cage. Got uh, plenty of questions to jump into right here, but I'm going to go ahead and bat lead off. I know David has some things he wants to jump into as well, but Sip, I'll go ahead and bat lead off. And, you know, just kind of piggyback uh, for our listeners, our Five Reasons Sports audience and the greater South Florida audience that listen to this podcast. I'm just going to kind of rehash some of the things you and I talked about. I want to start right here. What really motivated you to start this collective? Uh, well, you know, what, what motivated me to start this collective is simple. The number one thing was for one day for FIU to be a championship program. And uh, when I say championship, um, I mean, you know, uh, I mean national championships. So I definitely believe we're um, 
we're in the location. We have the athletes, and uh, we definitely have uh, the people behind us that, um, if supported correctly, can actually get there in the years to come. So um, it's a dream that I have, a goal that I have for mine, and I'm, I decided on chasing it. So I want to piggyback off of that. You know, when we sat down and talked for the article, you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting. I think um, a lot of FIU fans, when they read the article, really gravitated towards this quote that you mentioned. And, you know, if you could tell the story here, it'd be awesome. You kind of mentioned how you were you know, on some business in Ohio and you went to Ohio State game and you looked around and said, you know, why can't this be FIU? I was wondering if you could just kind of elaborate on that a little bit for our audience who may not have read the article and know that story. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you exactly how it all got started. Um, one, um, I I was um, voted onto the athletic advisory board for the for Florida National for FIU, and um, I'm the first athlete to be on that board. You know, so that board is consists of you know people from athletic director all the way to compliance. So by me being on that board, I was able to not only listen what happened on the personnel or let's say back end of football but um i was able to bring my own perspective as being a player on the field as a student and even as a professional so um i just thought that um chad moss actually um the president of the board is the one who invited me to be a part of it and um i wanted to come and not just be another person in the seat but to actually make impact and um when i sat at our first meeting last year one of the biggest things spoken at the table was name, image, and likeness, which is NIL. And pretty much when we left the table, we were told, hey, you know, speak amongst each other, brainstorm, and next time we get back at the table, let's have an answer of how we will attack this new, this new ongoing thing called NIL when it comes to college football. So um, that's what I did. You know, it was in the back of my head. I ended up going to, I ended up traveling to Ohio for business. And um, during that business trip, I was invited to a Ohio State game. And at that Ohio State game, just um, conversating and networking, how about NIL pops up? And as NIL pops up, of course, you know, the light bulb in my head rings. And this is exactly the conversations that I wanted to be a part of going back to when I left that meeting at the athletic advisory board. So um, after getting some information there, I actually went into the stadium. We were at a press box, and you just saw the environment, and and you saw the players. You know, the players um, were there, and I think they were playing Purdue the year. I mean, the the week I was there, and it was electrifying. Even even um, even though it wasn't a Michigan Ohio State game, but it was still electrifying. There were a lot of things going on behind the scenes, a lot more than just what we saw in that football field. And um, leaving Ohio State, I said, hey, you know what? There's something here that can definitely be recreated at FIU. We have the infrastructure for it. It's all the beginning stages of it. But why not us? Why not FIU? So coming back to FIU, I made some phone calls and I got started on creating our own collective for here at um, in South Florida for FIU. Again, if you're just joining us, the voice you're hearing is that of former FIU defensive back Jonathan Cyprian, eight-year veteran, of course, still the highest overall drafted uh, former FIU player in program history, the second-round pick in the 2013 draft. 
the 33rd pick overall. Sip, I want to transition and ask you this, something that, you know, kind of stood out when we had our earlier conversation. How could NIL have helped you as a player when you're in college? I was wondering if you can kind of elaborate on that a little bit and, you know, kind of give um, some people who, who, you know, they may have their own idea or, or own perception of what NIL is, but just from someone mm-hmm. who lived the life of a student athlete, just, you know, in the day in, day out, how could have, how could the ability to, you know, monetize your name, image, and likeness, could have, how could that have helped you as a player during your days at FIU? Uh, great question. Uh, so, you know, the elephant in the room, what's most obvious is going to is going to be financially. You know, um, we're looking across the country and we're seeing that players are getting so much money in exchange for their likeness. And um, obviously what they do on the field is what makes them such a commodity to be able to make money. So that's number one. Um, as a college student, there were definitely situations where uh, more dollars in my pocket would have definitely helped me. And especially when speaking about living here in South Florida, where, where you know, you know, to get a, to get a drink in, um, in Midtown is 20 bucks or more. You know what I mean? So, um, or to, to take your girlfriend out on a date maybe when, um, during the off season, when you're not playing, you know, those things kind of add up. Um, but most importantly, what people maybe don't see on the outside is many college athletes come back from less for come to, you know, to universities from less fortunate situations. And, um, more often than not, a lot of student athletes or students, um, students, uh, in general, actually, they make sure they take these, um, full scholarships to not only chase their dreams of playing football, but for my case specifically, another, another additive to me going to school was a less, one less person in my, in my home for my mother to feed, you know? So I felt like just taking me out of that situation and being able to earn money on my own. Um, and when I say that, when I was there, obviously being a college athlete, hoping to use their financial aid or whatever the case may be. Um, but me getting out of that situation and just to look at athletes today for them, not only to take one, one less person out of a home, out of a home with multiple siblings, but to actually be in a position to help your family with um, expenses that they may have, you know, I feel like that is a great, um, that's something that could have helped me and not only myself, many athletes, um, uh, if I were to be in that situation. But, you know, like I said before, that's kind of the superficial part of it. There's a lot more, more that goes into, I think, how this could have benefited me back when I was a student athlete. And another way is, um, for you just have relationships with different businesses. I mean, imagine um, I'm a hospitality major when I graduated. And let's say I did an NIL deal with um, a hotel on Miami South, on South Beach, right? And I never went to the NFL, right? Because guess what? The likelihood of people going to the NFL is very, very low, even though it seems so high here in South Florida. It's very low. About 98 to 99% of people do not make it, make it, may, I'm sorry, do not play professionally. And that's for every sport. And um, for me to have that relationship with, let's say, a hotel on that South Beach with management and staff there, 
how about as I transition of leaving college and maybe falling short of doing my of, of following my dream to play professionally, I'm able to be, be a professional in life and have a relationship with the hotel. And just for an example, because I was a hospitality major, to be able to be maybe at the top of the list because this company was able to see me as a young athlete and was able to befriend um befriend the befriend people from that organization or from that hotel where now my application is a little higher than the stack that they get um when they're looking for for employees. And um I think that relationship as as we all know when you get to a certain age, relationships are everything. And it's you know, a lot of people say it is widely known it's not what you know, sometimes it's who you know. And um, I think that's a definite, that's a definite additive to what could have kind of propelled myself if I never would have played professionally and um, even other players. And even that I did play professionally, like I'm not, I will one day not play again. So what now, right? What relationships can I be able to use to put myself in the right position for job placement? So I'm not only a professional and athletic career, but a professional in life. Now, Sip, I'm really glad you made those two points. I'll start with, in terms of the idea of NIL, I think a lot of people, you know, they get caught up in some of the, you know, say this in air quotes, the bigger schools and the the higher financial aspects. And they don't realize that a kid like Tyrese Chambers or Rivaldo Fairweather are having a chance to talk to both of them. And Rivaldo said, you know, the money he got with his NIL went straight to his mom, you know, to help out his siblings at home. And same thing with the Tyrese Chambers. So I think it's great that you mentioned that point. And then also the second point in talking about being able to set up athletes for when their career is is over or when that, you know, that time comes, if they're not able to be on the basketball court or, you know, the gridiron or whatever it may be, you know, and, and having a chance to talk with some of the kids who have interest in communications and they ask how I got jobs and I tell them, you know, I, I'd like to think I'm talented at what I do, but that aside, there isn't one job in communications that I've received that I didn't have a connection. And I think that, you know, kind of goes to the point what you're talking about as far as building those relationships. David, I want to pass it to you on this. I I know you have, again, this is, you know, the uh, the FIU collective here. And and as the the lone non-Panther, I want to turn it over to the Panther on the podcast, get a chance to jump in and, and, you know, ask his questions. But David, I know there was one NIL question that you had um, of your own before you went ahead and kind of chopped up with it about some other matters. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, there's so much conversation around the NIL right now. And, and just kind of want to make it clear to, to, to the audience that Inside the Cage is strictly for current FIU student-athletes, right, Sip? Yes, at the moment, it's strictly for current FIU, FIU student-athletes. I think this is the need that um, that we need uh, to move FIU specifically forward. And um, that's what we're focused on right now. Got it. And... Um, you know, I, I did also want to mention before we kind of move on to some other topics that I am officially a uh, member of Inside the Cage. I am a part of the Blue Plan, and so I wanted to see if, <laughs> I wanted to see if you could, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the different plans and you know what, um, you know what what people can expect to, you know, when they become a member. Oh yeah, man. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, for sure, I appreciate that. Um, and, um, when it, when, when I clap it up, because you speak about being a member, when it comes to inside the cage, we have a membership program. And, um, if you go online to inside the cage.com, 
Um, there'll be different packages that you can choose, whether you're a business who would like to be able to sponsor athletes, or if you're an individual who would like to do the same in somewhat, in some degree. But both ways, you're, you're impacting students. And not only that, you're receiving benefits for doing so. So, um, you know, going to, when it comes to supporting our Panthers, let's start about the individuals. That's your everyday, that's your everyday um, Panther fan, FIU fan, or maybe college football fan. Somebody who believes that college athletes um, should make, I'm sorry, should profit off their name, image, and likeness. And um, being able to sign up to our membership here at InsideTheCage.com, you'll be able to pick a different plan. And they rate range from $25 a month, which equals to $250 for the year. And it goes to $50 a month, $100 a month. It doesn't exceed $1,000 a month when it comes to an individual, which, like I said before, can be a fan or whomever would love to support. And, um, you know, by becoming a member, you get different packs, you get different um, perks. And that's going to be exclusive content that you'll be able to access on the page as a member. As becoming a member, we would have exclusive things that all relate to our athletes who are signed under our collective, whether those are interviews, um, special podcasts, um, special before the game, um, video content, um, or even just the day in the life of a student athlete, things that you'll be able to see being a member that you wouldn't be, be able to see if you weren't a member. Um, other things are, you know, there's, um, player video message. You know, your favorite player can set a birthday message or a happy anniversary message to, to anyone who, to anyone who is part of this membership. Um, you can attend practice for free. Um, you can, um, oh, and, and you have tickets to our pregame tailgates. Now, let me tell you, I have a history of an event, and I'm saying this on record, that I believe my tailgate will be the best that FIU's ever seen. <laughs> so well, I, if you want to be a part of that, you definitely got to sign up. Well, I definitely like the sound of the tailgating because uh, we definitely got to we definitely got to make some memories there. Um, so, you know, once again, appreciate you coming on to talk about the NIL and, and, and what you're doing for FIU. I do want to transition just to something that obviously you've been very involved with FIU ever since you, you know, got drafted. You, you can't, you've been coming back pretty consistently, but I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the, the spring game and seeing all so many like, you know, so many players coming back and, and what type of environment coach Mack and, and, and Scott um, are doing to like bring people back and, and just building that environment for past players. Yes, the spring game was very encouraging. The spring game was uh, was an amazing turnout um, from the years past that I've played at FIU until now. I've never seen um, that much interaction or those many familiar faces and um, just that much excitement around FIU. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in FIU, a lot of fresh faces, rejuvenating faces. People have been a part of the staff, are encouraged and very motivated. Um, we have a coach that's motivated. Uh, Scott Carr has been doing an absolutely amazing job, if you ask me, as far as, um, you know, just tapping into the network here at, at FIU and um, trying to expand it as much as he can. Um, to be honest with you, since meeting Scott Carr, 
Um, I feel like he's a guy that you can't do anything but to pull for or but to help or where you can. And um, that's what I did. That's what I'm doing. Um, starting with the spring game, um, I tried to invite as many um, former athletes as I could, whether in town or not, um, not only for, you know, Scott Carr, but for our program. And um, for the kids out there, for the student athletes out there who are playing during the spring game, just to see that, you know, there's a, there's a past. We are growing history, and um, we're here for them to support them. Um, and uh, that's what we need when it comes to inside the cage. Um, me reaching out to those players or Scott Carr bringing, you know, as many um, fans out to come and support um, FIU at that spring game was amazing. And um, it's something that re- that reminds me of Inside the Cage um, because this is something, and I tell everybody this, Inside the Cage and my dreams of FIU being a championship program isn't going to be happen. It's going to happen by me alone or Scott Carr alone. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take you, David. It's going to take our fans. It's going to take our friends. It's going to take um, believers and, and supporters, early ones, to get behind us and um, push everything forward. You know, NIL is going to be a huge part of it, just to be frank. And um, by doing that, uh, I think FIU is going to be in great hands, especially from what we've seen thus far during um, – during uh, Scott Carr's administration. Hey, Sip, before we get ready to close, I just want to ask you one quick question. I guess this is just my perspective as someone who's, you know, covers FIU. And I, my first year covering the program was 2018. So I guess I'm entering my fifth year of covering the team, but I've only been around the university for four years. Just a curiosity. When you played at FIU, did you ever get a spring game crowd that was that large as what we saw this past spring game? No, um... I don't, I can say we had it that, that much, you know, um, another thing is the, the format of it was not like that at all. You know, we had real access, former players and people who had affinity to university were on our sideline. You know, we're, it felt like you're at a basketball game and people were courtside, you know? So I think we gave that, um, we definitely gave that present to a uh, spring game as, you know, as you and that adrenaline, we're able to. We, I think our, us as a crowd, us as a body, was able to feed the players to be able to motivate them in a way to play. Um, I really, I really can say maybe we've gotten close. Um, you know, at our glory days at FIU, um, where we were coming off championship season, full game season, and um, winning record. But um, like that, from where we are now, it definitely, it definitely. Um, surprised me and those numbers were amazing that's what we got for you again for those of you listening you just heard from the man himself behind inside the cage former eight-year nfl veteran and fiu panther jonathan cyprian you can find him on twitter at sip cyp appreciate sip for making the time and uh, i know those tailgates sound pretty interesting i i, I won't be there but i know david will certainly uh be there and give a report yeah. back but hey sip really appreciate you making the time man All right. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.